Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Wonderful. Well, welcome if you're here for the first time, and um, it's great to have you with us. And um, we're going to teach the Word of God and do do my best to share. Um, I I really believe this is one of the most important um, messages. Hopefully every single Sunday that I stand up, it's the most important message I'll ever speak on. Um, you know, last, last Sunday we talked about the Word, the, the power of the Word. And this Sunday I want to talk about how to actually receive, a read, meditate, study the Word of God. And how to, how to basically fellowship with the Father through His Word. And that's, that's really the key. So it's actually so, so important. It's like it's easy to give people water. So if, if, I, if, I, if I know how to go to the well and I get water, I give you a bucket of water, then you're always dependent on someone else giving you a bucket of water. But you want to teach people how to get the water for themselves. So, so important. It's almost, it's like, you know, that, that, that saying where it says, you give someone a fish, you have, to give them, you have to give them fish all the time. But you teach them how to fish, then they know, they know how to fish for themselves. So as we have the Holy Spirit living in us, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So you need to know how to fellowship with God in this word how do you hear from God we don't read this word to get this knowledge just to get head knowledge all right so the word is everything it really affects every area of our life your belief system it's either on the word or it's not on the word that's basically the sum total it's either my thinking, my mindset's either on the word or it's not on the word. And Jesus put it this way, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, very, very clear. I mean, Jesus is so wise, the son of the living God, God in the flesh. And he reveals the truth this way. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, in other words, puts the word of God that they hear into practice, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and he and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, and a lot of times we read that and think, oh, that must be everyone out there. Those that you know, hear the words of God and don't act on them, we think they're the, they're the unbelieving people. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's us as well. So, because we're hearing the word right now. Every time you read the Bible, you're hearing the word. So those that hear the word and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So, so my question to us is, why did one house stand and one house fell, fall apart? What was the difference? What do you think? You can tell me. The foundation was the big difference. But you know, in reality, in life, we usually tend to blame the, the, the storm. We tend to blame the severity of the storm. So when you're going through a hard time, you say, you don't know, Leo, what I'm going through. It's like, the reason why I'm falling apart is because uh, I just got to have a relationship breakup, or I, I'm going through a divorce, or my mum's died of cancer, or, or, or I've gone through bankruptcy, or whatever, whatever tragedy we all face. Whatever it is, we usually blame the severity of the storm. The reason why I'm falling apart is that the storm is heavy. It's, it's, it's attacking me, but it's heavy. No, it's, the storm doesn't make you fall. It's the found, whether you've got a foundation or you don't have a foundation, that's the big difference. The storms came to both, by the way. The storm came to the one that built on the rock. He heard the word and did it. 
and the storm came to the person who built on sand. He heard the word but didn't do it. Storms came to both. And if, if you saw someone that brightly sands or somewhere like Bondi or Bronte, and you saw them starting to build a house on sand, you'd think they'd be crazy. So what on earth are they doing? As soon as the rain comes, that house is going to fall apart. The, the, the sand will f- just move. And I mean, the water would totally change the, 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 what it's founded on and the, cr- the house will crack and fall apart. So the, the, the rain didn't make it fall. It's the foundation. And so, so I, I've, had, I've had stuff in my life before I was a Christian. I won't go into the depths of it, but I've, gone, I've had stuff where, where I had a relationship breakup and my, heart, my life fell apart. I had a nervous breakdown because the girl that I was with left, we, you know, left me and I'm, my heart's broken. Now I don't want to eat. You know, nervous, nervous system breaks down. You don't want to even eat. I'm depressed. I had to drink to, to, to get out of my depression. Drink alcohol I'm talking about. Talking about. And, and so I'm falling apart. Don't know how to get out of it because that person, in, I didn't, my foundation was that person. I didn't have God in my life. So when that person left me, I fell apart. The same thing happened to me when I became a believer. Exactly the same thing, but this time I didn't fall at all. Didn't fall apart at all. So relationship breakup again as a believer, same storm. One I crumbled, fell apart. The other one I didn't fall apart at all. Big difference, the foundation. I know a close friend of mine that I knew him really well in Burwood. I can tell you his name. And we used to play, mucking around. And he was a lot younger than us in Burwood Park. We knew him all his life. By the time he became in his mid-20s, he had a relationship breakdown. This is how much that storm can affect people. He had a relationship breakdown. His girlfriend left him for whatever reason. He's so heartbroken, he planned his funeral. Planned who would carry his coffin. And he killed himself. My friend. All because he has the, he has the wrong foundation. So this affects you. Having the word in your life affects you deeply. But we, you, know, like you can't depend on others to keep feeding you. You have your own relationship with the Lord. So this is really important that we put this into practice. So again, you can hear a message and you can either make a decision to put it into practice or you sort of uh, just live on day to day or week to week. But God wants you to read and spend time in the word fellowshipping with him. So for, I'm going to try to give us not methods, even though there's a lot of different ways of reading the Bible, meditating, studying, and, and fellowshipping with God through the Word. So heaps of different methods, and we're all so uniquely different that certain things will work for us differently and in different seasons in our life. You will use different methods. Absolutely fine. So I'm going to try to give us ways of doing it, and, and it's more about the posture of the heart, the, the, the attitude of the heart, and my heart of surrender will determine whether I will receive when I, in this word, when I hear from God. Because I'm actually not just reading a book, I'm listening and I'm fellowshipping, I'm talking with the Father. This is, you cannot take, uh, tackle this book, you cannot pick up this book like a natural book. It isn't a natural book, it's a spirit-filled book. In a, in a sense, it's, it's a spiritual book. So if you read it like a novel, you'll get nothing out of it. How many people say, I've read the Bible? Well, it doesn't mean anything. Just because you read the Bible, but, but are you, do you know, the whole idea is knowing the author of the Bible. So the Father God inspired the Bible, and we want to get to know Him through His Word. If you take it like a book, then you want to fill up with the knowledge of the Bible. And if you fill up, fill up with the knowledge of the Bible, it will actually just make you proud. The Bible says in Corinthians that knowledge puffs you up, makes you proud. The more knowledge you get, you just get more arrogant. I've seen it, even in the kingdom. In other words, you're a Christian, you get more knowledge, more knowledge is making you proud. And what does the Bible say about pride? God resists the proud, 
and he gives grace to the humble. I don't want God to resist me. Like, so I'm getting more knowledge, more knowledge about the Bible, more knowledge about the Word. All it is is making me more distant to God. Because it, it's not about that. It's about knowing Him, knowing His heart. So I've got it. I've got it. I got it, my, my, the way I, I, I read this word is, Lord, I want to spend time to know you. So you've got to have the right posture. As a believer, if you t- read the Bible like uh, I'm a, it's a Christian duty, I've got to read the Bible and uh, I've got to do my duty. I'll read a chapter and so you just read it, read it, just uh, read it, finished. Well, that's totally wrong. That's not why you read the Bible, to say you tick the box and I've read the Bible for today. That's, not, that's totally pointless. You're reading the Word to fellowship with God, to hear His heart, to listen to God, for God to speak to you. That's how we read the Bible. It's a spiritual book, so a spiritual, Spirit-filled people will discern it. Okay. So, so important. And there's a lot of scriptures that I'd love to read to you, but des- um, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Desire, the- as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the Word. So all you have to do as a new baby, desire it. And God will make sure you get fed. But as you grow up, if, you can't, if a baby that's a baby dependent on the mother's breast milk, when he's 18 or he still wants the breast milk, there's something wrong. He's got to be able to feed himself. Especially, let's say a girl still wants the breast milk. It's still bad. Like You've got to grow up. And so we're, we're trying to say, how do you... But, but the desire, the sincere milk of the word, there's a lot of things you can get out of that. Milk... To a baby, if, if a baby doesn't get milk, the baby dies. First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I've given you milk. I want to give you meat, but you're not ready for it because you're still carnal. And when, you're, when you've got envy, strife among you, you're still carnal. So I'm just going to give you milk. There's still believers, still Christians, still saved, but I'm just going to give you milk. I wanted to give you some meat, something that you can chew on, but you're not ready for that. So I'll just keep giving you milk. So what's he doing? He's saying the Word of God is like food. We've got to see... Just like physical food to our body, you're totally dependent on physical food. None of us forget to eat. I hope we don't forget to eat. If you forget to eat one meal, maybe because you're busy, but you're not going to forget to eat for five days. God made sure of that because he's smart. God's really smart. You know that. He gives you a taste buds, gives you an appetite, gives you hunger, and makes food delicious. And then so no one's going to forget to eat. I don't forget to eat. My wife knows. I don't like to miss meals. I enjoy my food. You can see I enjoy my food. So, so food, but you know, if you go without food for a number of days, if you fast for a long period of time, your body doesn't have the nourishment, the strength in your physical body to do activities like you could. And if someone said, let's go for a 10K run, and you haven't eaten for three weeks, you might want to, but you don't have the physical energy to do it. So desire might be there, but you, even if you tried, and you, even if you attempted to try it and you ran 10Ks, you'd take you a week to two weeks with aches. You'd be so sore because your muscles will be all ripped up and you haven't got any, any nourishment to repair, to restore, because you haven't eaten. I'm just trying to help us see that what we do to, us, to our spirit man, if, if God could see our spirit man, maybe some of us would come out and it'd look like an anorexic, just skin and bones. And some of us will come out and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because you get fed the word. But, but you are totally dependent on the word. You die without it. Please know that. Jesus actually says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's he saying? We're not just physical beings having to live on physical food, which that's, we're totally dependent on it. But you also have to live on spiritual food. 
So it, it is desperately important to every single one of us. Now we're going to dive into how. I mean, Psalms 1 talks about, please read Psalms 1. Read Jeremiah 17, verse 5 and 8. And it says, he who does meditate in the word day and night is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And his, and his leaf will not wither. His fruit will always produce in season. The purpose of a tree is to produce fruit. Now, there's your purpose of existence. You produce the very purpose of why you're here for. Produce fruit for God. And how does that happen? When your roots into the river. And Jeremiah says, even if it's sun and hot and drought and it hasn't rained for four or five years, it doesn't matter because your roots are in the river. This river is God's river and it never runs dry. Imagine having a source, that's, your roots are drinking from this river, completely sustained. It doesn't matter how hot it gets. The sun speaks of tribulation and persecutions of the world. It doesn't matter because your, your roots are down into that river. And that's the picture that God wants us to see about meditating in the word day and night, that we need to feed on this word constantly. So the, so, so the Old Testament, in general, please hear my heart, in general is, is, is concealed word of God, and you have to find the word of God. What do I mean by that? Unless the scripture, unless thus saith the Lord, when the prophet says, thus saith the Lord, that's going to be God's word. And, and prophecies, it's going to be God's word. But when you read a story of Noah, he got drunk. doesn't mean I can get drunk. So you can say, oh, Noah got drunk. Great, I can get, no. There's a lot of things in the Bible that it's not like, it doesn't mean that you can do it. David committed adultery. But it, what you do is you read around and he goes, well, how did he commit adultery? He got his eyes off God. He's supposed to be out in the battle. He wasn't fulfilling the call of God in his life. And Right, you know, up in the balcony and all that, and, and then he falls, and then you look at the consequences also, the results and the, the, the consequences of his sin, the devastation. He lost a son, and all these sort of things. So you read the will, the, the word of God in that. Does that make sense? You say, okay, God, what is your word? Because the Old Testament is more concealed. You got to find the word of, word of God, but the New Testament is more revealed. It's like Paul's writing direct to Christians and giving them direct instructions from God. So a lot of it's revealed, but obviously you still got to get revelation knowledge. But you just got to know how to discern it. What happens when I get, if I write the word context, C-O-N-T-E-X-T, and I take the text out of its context, some of you would have heard of this before, what do you get? You got a con. That's the quickest way and the main way that the devil deceives people, taking text out of its context. So you've got to learn to leave the text in its context. Also, chapters weren't there when the person who wrote the book or the letter in the first place. You know that. So if we do this, I know I used to do this, um, chapter 11, uh, 11 finished, train of thought, train of theme, argument, fi finished what it was trying to say, now it's a new chapter. If I do that, I'm going to miss because it, there was no chapters. So sometimes a new chapter starts with therefore. So he's telling me something now about what was said before. I've got, to, I've got to remove those chapters and verses and read it all. Another thing that we've got to be careful to do, remember take the text out of its context? I'm sure we've all done this before. You, know, you sort of wake up in the morning. Oh, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. Oh, and then, it's, it's, you know, David rose up and went. And, and so, uh, you know, the reality is God has used that, probably for all of us here. He's done it for me, and it's worked. It's like, wow, God, you really spoke to me. Sometimes you don't even look for it. But the thing what I'm trying to say is don't make that become a habit. Don't become a lifestyle, a habit that every time you pick up the Bible, you go like read and then go bang. Oh, you know, how many times I've, I've, I've done that and I've gone like this. God, speak to me. God, I'm desperate for a word. And it's a judgment word. I don't like that one. Give me another one. Like I just keep going until I find a good one. Like, you know, you, the Bible could say anything. 
You know, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Do you know that? So if I open up the Bible like that and go, you know, flicker, 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 and they go, okay, Lord, just anything, just speak to me. He says, Judas went and hung himself. Now, that's not a good one. I don't like that one. And so you, so you go like that, and then, then, what, and then you get another one. Speak to me, Lord. And he goes, um, go you and do likewise. That's also in the Bible. And then I go like this, and then it says, oh, no, what you do is do us quickly. Now, I just made the Bible tell me to commit suicide, which we know is 100% wrong from taking Scripture out of its context. So that's why it's dangerous to go for flick, 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 and, then, and that becomes the way you read the Bible. It's, it really is. Again, I'm not saying that God can't, but don't let that be your habit. If I was your best friend and I went overseas for 20 years and I, start, and I write you a 20-page letter, from my heart to you as a friend, I just tell you what's happening and I'm just telling you stuff. And, and so imagine if you, did that, you treated my, my, my letter, my 20-page letter, as your best friend and you just flick around page 10, speak a, read a bit there. Okay, then next day I flick around and page 3, read a little bit there. Next time I read page 10, you know, read a little bit there. I mean, no wonder we don't understand the Bible. We've got to read the letters from the beginning to the end. It's a love letter. So a book or a letter, it's God speaking to us, and you're going to miss the theme. You're going to miss what he's saying. You're going to miss the argument that he's building and, and so on, the, the person that's writing the, the scriptures. So that's really, really important. Just little things that we, we can do better. But when I read, my motive is so important. Like I said earlier, it's not just to read for the sake of, I've read the Bible, because I'm not going to get nothing out of it. It's absolutely pointless. I'm reading to spend time with my father. I actually want God to speak to me. Lord, speak to me. So I'm spending time. So the posture of my heart is most important. If I don't want to hear God speak, guess what? I won't get anything. And that's, that's, this is the key. If you want to hear God speak, then you will hear him. He will speak to you. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So to reverentially fear God and respect Him and believe Him and, and honor Him and trust Him. So when I fear Him reverentially, I'm going to start to get wisdom. I actually respect His Word. And the way to fear God is to absolutely believe every word in His Bible. It starts with, we'll all give account to God. That's just basic truth. That you will stand before the judgment seat of God. Just believe that one. There is a hell that people will go for all eternity. Believe that one. Like, you know what I'm saying? I like, believe that when we get to stand before God, I will be rewarded for the, everything I've done for Him in obedience. We'll be, reward, we'll, be, we'll be judged according to our works as well, even though we're not saved by our works. But I will, and you will, we'll all have different levels of rewards in heaven. Not just the Bible. I'm going to believe all that. I'm going to start to reverentially fear God. And that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of wisdom. It says also, Proverbs 3, 32, God's secret, God's secrets is with the righteous. Why is God's secrets with the righteous? The more righteous we live, the more righteous we walk in, in righteousness and holiness and purity, the more He gives us secrets. Because the truth has been hidden for you, not from you. But the truth has to be hidden. God has to hide the truth so those that want to seek it will find it. If the truth wasn't hidden... Then selfish people will go, I'm going to find the truth of God. I'm going to use these principles and use it for myself and bless little old me. That's how we, we, we treat it. And a lot of people have. People have taken the truth of the Bible, the principles of the Bible, put it into practice just for themselves. Take God out of it, accountability with God, relationship with God, take all that out. But I'm just going to take these truths. Some people have done that. But it's hidden for you, not from you. 
So you got to, because it's really the way, how does truth come to you when you're ready to receive it? So one of the things that I've done when I first became a Christian, um, I think this is a good rule, is to um, read the word and you read and read. And if I don't understand it, I don't understand it. It's fine. Like I read it and read it and I don't have a clue what's happening here. I don't read it, don't understand, don't understand, don't understand. And bang, something jumps up. And I've got that truth. You know, when something hits you, jumps out of the page or truth hits you, you go, oh, I can get that. I understand that. Why am I understanding that? I'm, I'm at a place of maturity and faith and a revelation that I can understand that truth. So that will add to the truth that I have. So that comes up and I, I accept that and I'll think about that, I'll meditate that. But I'm not going to interpret something if, not ready, if I'm not ready to interpret it. Sometimes what we do is, even Peter says that some people twist the scriptures to their own harm, to their own hurt. Why? They're trying to put interpretation in something they're not ready to understand. So you don't have to try to work it out here. This is what I'm trying to say. It's a relationship. You're having a relationship with the Father through His Word, and I'm spending time in His Word to fellowship with God. And I'm saying, God, speak to me. Say something to me. Talk to my life. And so if I don't get it here, that's fine. I'm just going to keep reading it until I get something because it's a relationship. You're following. This is so important. All right. So your maturity and your faith and my faith and my level of obedience will either limit my revelation or let my revelation keep growing. Say that again. My level of maturity, my faith and my obedience to the Word, to the already revealed Word, whatever truth God gives me, if I walk in obedience, He's going to give me more. But if I don't walk in obedience and I don't want to surrender to it, I'm limiting that revelation's flow. Because he can only give me what he's already given me. But because I haven't been faithful with what he's given me, I haven't put that into practice, I'm not living that, then why would he give you more? So my level of obedience hinders my understanding of this. The more I get close, that's, that's the fear of the Lord thing, beginning of wisdom, and the righteousness, he gives secrets to the righteous. My heart, posture, can either unlock the word or it can limit the word. If I'm not obedient, if I don't want to put it to practice. If, I'm, if I've got a wrong mindset of God that he, He's a cruel God and He just wants to take away all the fun things out and, and stop me from enjoying my life, then I'm not going to want to go to God. But if I've got a, a, an understanding of the Father that He's beautiful, magnificent, beyond words, that He's wonderful and I just want to know Him, I want to see Him, I'm willing to give up anything to know Him better. Anything. Because you found out how amazing He is. Brighter than the sun. More magnificent and more splendorous and glorious and beautiful than the sun. In its splendor and light of the power of the sun, God is way brighter, more splendor, more glory comes out of God's face than the physical sun. That's how, and that's the beauty of God. That's the magnificence of God. Uh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I worship God. and so I, Because of these revelations that are living in me, I, I picture, and I picture Jesus when we talked about See the king come. You know that song we just sang? Feel how it goes, Leon? Lift up your eyes. You know, see the king come. I'm picturing Jesus coming in the clouds and outshining the sun. And the sun turns darkness because of the bright and glory of Jesus. I just get, I, I'm overwhelmed and broken with that. Because that's how beautiful he is. He's going to outshine the sun. It's got to become real. That's why reading, when you spend time in the word, it's, you've got to believe what you read. Everyone, everyone is unique. Everyone is different. Everyone is completely uniquely different. As your fingerprints are different, everything about us is different. The way you fellowship with the Word will be different. So I can give you methods and ways, but you will uniquely fellowship and relate with the Father in this Word. Does it make sense? 
The truth will be the same, but you're going to uniquely receive that relationship, the way he feeds you. So, um, again, Matthew 16, 19 says, The secrets of the kingdom are not hidden. It actually says, To you I give you the secrets of the kingdom, but to them that are without, I'll speak in parables. Jesus said, I'll do that on purpose. Why? Because their heart's not in a place of discipleship, teachability, and humility, and following Jesus. But those that said to Jesus, Yes, you're my Lord, I will follow you. To you, the secrets have been given. All right. So, one of the things that we've got to learn to do is allow the Word to also read us. So a lot of times we do the reading. Remember, you don't read the Bible just with your head. It's not a head knowledge book to read. Like, so if I read, I don't know, certain passages, let's say first, I love the book of First John. I love a lot of books in the Bible. But First John is one of my favorites, and I've read it maybe hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over many, many years. And so if the Holy Spirit says, read First John, my first reaction, my head will say, oh, but I've read that. What am I going to get out of it? I've read it so many times. So that's a, that's a wrong mindset. My head is telling me, I've read it so many times. I can quote a lot of the scriptures. I can, I've memorized some of those scriptures. What am I going to get out of that? I already know it. So my head's speaking. The, Holy Spirit, the devil's speaking to my head to try to say, you're not going to get anything out of it. But when you go, if God's saying you need to read the book of 1 John, you go and meditate. And every single word, like just, you just have to read things like, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. I can read that. Do not love the things of the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. So I can read that and maybe even memorize it and say, I know that. Or I can go, do not love the world. Holy Spirit, what areas in my life right now am I loving of the world? Is there areas in my life where I'm actually loving the world? I'm allowing the world to take my emotions, my, my affection, is there anything, Lord? What have I just done? I've invited the Holy Spirit to speak the truth to me. Now the Word's reading my life. So I can read, I lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and I know that. But I can stop and go, is there any areas in my life the lust of the flesh is affecting my relationship with God? He might say to me, Leah, you're spending too much time playing games. You're a gamer too much. You're spending, oh, spending too much time playing games. You might be... You might say, you're spending too much time watching TV. You, you know, to someone else, you're spending too much time sleeping. It could be any, the lust of the flesh, whatever that is. It's an intimate thing because whatever I'm facing today, if I pick that up in a month's time, it might be another thing that I'm facing. If I read that three months ago, the Holy Spirit might be bringing up another issue that's the lust of the flesh that's holding me back from my relationship with God. The same word, but it's speaking to me completely different because I'm in a different place. If I read that again next week, I might be in a different place. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You can ask, what is it, Lord? What is in my life that's holding me back? Is there any pride in my heart? Am I arrogant? Am I self-confident? Am I relying? Sometimes the Holy Spirit would say, yeah, Leah, you're, you're, you're self-confident. This is how intimate you can speak. The pride of life, Leah. Anytime you have a prayerless day, you're trusting yourself and not in me. You're dependent on your own ability and strength and, you know, and, and wisdom and all that to get you through that day. Because you're not spending time with me. Okay, Lord, that hurts, yes, but, but thank you. You know, it, it, ouch, it's like, oh me, but you, instead of oh, amen. You know, like, you can say oh me if, it's, if it hurts. But the Holy Spirit, he knows how to do that. So I can read, let's say, the, I don't know, First Peter, where it talks about, I think, chapter 5. Cast all my, your cares upon him because he cares for you. I can stop there. Again, I can just read it. I know that scripture. Or I can go, okay, Lord, what areas in my life are becoming a care? What's bringing pressure on me? Am I, am, I, am I worrying about anything? What is it, Lord, in my life right now? And just fellowship with him. Let him speak. 
cares of this world. And then when he does say, Leo, it's this, Leo, it's that, now I've got an opportunity to live the word and act the word. It's the pressures, Leo. I mean, the first bill that we ever had to pay as a church, the first bill was one of the first bills. It was $1,100 and it was for rent for Bird Girls High School for 10 weeks. We didn't have that money. That was pressure on me. $1,100 that we don't have. And I had to cast my care on God. I said, God, come on, you've got to come through this. You've got to pay the bill. And so as you grow, you grow, you grow, and you have little fights, little trust, little things for, for many, many years. Then it's millions of dollars that you're trusting God for. But you started in the little things. You started in the little, and, and, and you said, Lord, what areas in my life? The Lord says, Leah, you know, you're worried about that. And you give it to him. But can you see how intimate this can be? This can be so intimate as much as you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And that's why the posture of your heart means everything. If you're, if you're surrendered and you say, Lord, I want to know you. And this takes time. It takes time. When we talked about the context of the Bible and taking the text out of the context, the more you know the history of the Bible, the history of the people of the Bible, uh, like the word circumcision, you look up the word, you, know, you read circumcision, I sort of know what circumcision is, but I don't know what the Bible means by circumcision. So the more I get to know what actually circumcision means, wow, it's a blood covenant between God and man. Okay, God wanted to, wow. It's like, this is a blood covenant. So you, you want to, in relationship with me, cut the foreskin of, the, of your penis. And the blood would mingle with the blood of the animal that would represent when God and man became one. And it's like, just one word became way more powerful because I understand the history, the context of the day in those days. The Pharisees, you read the, who's Pharisees? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're religious priests. But if I read that and I don't know who they are, what authority they carried, how people related to them, the fact that they made some decisions for the people of the day, they're like governing, and, and they, were, they were really, they're not just priests like we know priests, but they were quite, they had governing authority. And, um, and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sadducees, Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, the Bible says, and that's why they were sad, you see. Trying to get you thinking. Trying to, trying to be funny with my father jokes and dad jokes and now grandpa jokes. But, but if you don't know the, the context of who they are, it won't give you the strong meaning. The more you know the story, the history. Same with the Old Testament. It takes a long time to do this, though. You know, like we find it, you start reading the Bible in a chronological order from the Old Testament. You sort of get the picture of the timeline, how Israel was formed out of a nation and how they went into Egypt. Okay, that. And you slowly get a picture and a context. So when you do get an example of a particular incident, it makes more sense to you. That takes time. That's absolutely normal for it to take time like that. But the more understanding of words, the better it's going to be. Um, Revelation knowledge. How do we meditate in this word? I mean, you've heard about the cows. The cow chews the cud. The cow takes grass, eats the, you know, chews on it, and swallows it into stomach one. It brings it back up, regurgitates it, and starts chewing it. Swallows it in stomach two. Regurgitates it, swallows it after number two. Brings it up again and, sw- and starts chewing on it more and swallows it into stomach three. I think three or four, something like that. But that's a picture of revelation. It's a picture of us thinking on the word, meditating on the word, imagining what it means. What does it say to me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Chewing, chewing. Got a revelation. Wow. Bring it back up. Meditate on it. Think about it. What does that say? What does that mean to me when I'm reading this word? What does it speak to my life? You can do that to the whole Bible. And when you read the Bible, believe what you read. That is the biggest key. 
Because some of us just read and don't realize, we, uh, do we really believe what we're reading? Like, like this one, for example, for, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, I, I walk in the flesh, but I don't war. Our warfare is not according to this physical world. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, or they're not carnal, they're not, they're not according to this physical world. But the weapons that we have are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Okay, I'm going to stop and think and believe that. Weapons are not natural, but they actually are powerful, divinely powerful. So the weapons that you are allowed to exercise are divine power, connected to God's power. Okay, And then it says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ now that itself just tells me God cannot tell me to do something I cannot do it just said that we can take every thought and make it obedient to Christ so I've got to stop and believe that that I can actually take every thought and make it obedient to Christ so a negative thought I've got to discern it filter it that's not from God and I have the power to cast it out I've got to believe that or else I'm succumb to my thoughts and go, oh, I can't control my thoughts. I've tried that, Leo. I just can't control the bad thoughts, the negative thoughts, the emotional thoughts. I just can't. Now you can. You've got you to start with believing you can. Because God said you can. It's just little things like that. You just stop and think and meditate and say, okay, Lord, I can control every thought. Your word just told me I can control every thought. Thank you, Jesus. From now on, help me to discern the thoughts that are not from you and the thoughts that are from you. And let me cast down everything that's not from you. It's, 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 it's things like that. Every scripture. Uh, Psalms 23. I can read that. And some of us can quote it. Everyone reads that for the funeral. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me and guides me to fresh pastors and all that. So I can read it and quote it. And think, oh, I know that. Or I let the word read me. The Lord is my shepherd. How's the Lord? Lord, are you really my shepherd? What areas in my life are you not my shepherd? What areas in my life aren't I allowing you to be my shepherd? You lead me and guide me into fresh pastures, food, fr- fresh grass. And what areas in my life aren't I allowing you, because I know you're doing your job, what aren't I allowing you to lead me into? And you might say, you're living a busy life. You're not spending time with me. You don't give me the time to lead you into fresh pastures. And what about still waters? Well, do, I, do I really allow you to take me to the still waters and drink as much as I need? No, Leo, you, you know. So I'm talking with him. I'm fellowshiping with him. I'm letting his word read me. I'm being honest. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, I've got a lot of wants. What am I doing wrong? How come i got a lot of wants or desires and, 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 and needs? I'm going to, ah, oh, and the Lord says, you're not surrendering. He's just speaking to me. And if you let go and surrender, you allow me to be your shepherd. So all of a sudden, a scripture that I might know is speaking into my life. And, and I can't explain it any other way, but you can do that to the whole Bible. And that's true of miracles as well. Any miracle incident that Jesus or anyone did, you can imagine it. You have the license to imagine exactly as the Bible says happened. So whatever the Bible says happened, just picture it. Close your eyes and imagine the, 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 uh, them taking that, that crippled man that never walked before, the friends that took him in a stretcher and the house is full. The Bible says the house is full, jam-packed. Jesus is in there 
they're trying to get him to get to Jesus to be healed and they can't get him in. Front door's packed. They're probably trying. They you imagine them. No, no, that stops. It's just for the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law and there's all the elite people and Jesus was teaching them and they're trying to get through the window. They can't get through the window and they get knocked back. No, 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 you can't get in. They would have tried these things so they were not going to go straight to the roof. So they would have tried to get him in. You're imagining what the Word is saying about it. And you start picturing the, the knockback. You picture that maybe they thought, oh, man, we're not going to get him in. And someone said, no, no, we can. We've got to do it. What about the roof? Someone had to come up with the idea. And you picture them doing this. We need ropes. Let's get some rope. And then you picture them finding rope. Get the rope. Tie up the stretcher with the man in it. Had to climb up, risk his life, climb up onto someone else's roof, open up someone else's roof. Picture the dust coming down in the middle where Jesus is teaching. Sunlight getting through the roof. You know what I mean? Just imagining everything just from the Word. And it comes alive. Smell the dust. Smell the smelly feet if you have to. But imagine that the Word of God come alive. And you can do that to every miracle as well. Blind Bartimaeus at the side of the road. Crying out. Everyone's telling him, shut up. Quiet. Don't disturb the master. Picture it. Imagine. Give your, your mind and your heart and your imagination time for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then say, Lord, how does this mean to me? Faith was determined. They didn't take no for an answer. They just kept going until they got him to Jesus. So you say, okay, faith is determined. They could have given up. Oh, well, it's not the will of God. If it was the will of God, God would have made a way. That's not in the Bible. They just kept going until they got him in there. So you, just, you start to think about it. And it gives you the attribute and nature of how God's like. Jesus never turned people away. He always healed everyone. They came to him in faith. And so David and Goliath, meditate, imagine. Imagine in the war, the hills, the people. And picture David running to Goliath. And all that. Just imagine. Then you have to imagine the head getting chopped off. I know. It's a bit gory, but the Bible tells it as it is. But the risk that David took to trust God, had faith in God. I'm just trying to encourage us. Let the Word read you. Not just you read the Word. Use this word to fellowship with the Father. Posture your heart in, in a surrendered mode. and Because when you know that God's a good God, you will do this so joyfully. I've, I've been reading um, the Passion Translation in the, in the Hebrews chapter 12. And it just, some, one of it says about correction, God corrects those that He loved, da da da. And it actually says, God corrects and disciplines children to bring them closer to Himself. He stops and Lord, okay, I want to welcome your discipline, welcome your correction, because you do it out of love to bring me closer to your heart. I never want to fight your discipline because you're doing it for a reason. Same way the Father does it with His children, to bring them in a better place with their, their own walk, but also with themselves. And so, but, you know, just, I'll just read something quickly here that, that really blessed my heart about holiness. Um, it says, In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly toward holiness. You stop and think, well, I'm not going to run towards holiness unless holiness is beautiful. Unless I believe holiness is beautiful. Unless I believe holiness is Jesus and that I want to run towards Him. Some of us are so scared of holiness, but holiness is the most beautiful thing because it's Jesus. And, and it says, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't want to not see you. I want to be pure and holy to see you. So the true motivation to stay away from sin is that 
My sin is hindering my relationship with you. I want to see you in your holiness. But you all of a sudden, you're letting the Holy Spirit speak to you in your heart. I mean, what about this one? Make sure no one lives a, a, with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison and poison the hearts of many. So just stop. Don't just read it. Well, is there any root of bitterness in my life? A root grows from a seed. Just a seed, just an incident, just a thought. Have I let it grow? Have I let it develop? Am I frustrated with people? Am I frustrated with mum, dad, wife, husband? What is it? The little root of bitterness. Show me where, Lord. What is it am I allowing to live in my heart? Because if you don't do this consistently, these things grow so much. It becomes so complicated, you can't tell what's there. You know, all those plants, seeds, they're all so much growing everywhere because you haven't chopped, 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 chopped regularly. What about when Jesus says, I'm closing, I'm trying to close. <laughs> when he says, you are clean because of the word I've spoke to you. I mean, just read that and say, Lord, I don't feel clean. What's wrong with me? Why don't I feel clean? Because you said uh, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And he'll tell you exactly why. Remember, if you welcome it and you want it and you surrender, you'll hear it. That's how you read this word. It's a beautiful way of hearing the Father. Amen? I pray that I pray it's it all our appetites. Say, God, I can't wait to spend time with you. I want to know your heart. I want to know you. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, Paul the Apostle prayed that you would um, open up our eyes to the hope of our calling, to the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints, and that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. And Lord, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be given to every single one of us here in the knowledge of who Jesus really is. Open up our eyes to His beauty, to His holiness, to His magnificence, to His splendor. Give us a hunger for His presence like never before. Father, clothe us with humility, we pray. You resist the proud and give grace to the humble. And we thank You for an impartation today that it has already happened, that You give us hunger like we never had before, thirst for Your Word like we never had before. And just in your own heart, if you have to repent, I do this all the time, just repent. Say, Lord, forgive me for my wrong priorities. Forgive me for putting other things in place of Your Word. Just speak to Him. Whatever He's saying to you, just respond to Him. Whatever adjustments that you have to make, whatever He's highlighting, just do that really quickly with the Lord. Don't feel guilty about it because we've all been there. The Lord knows that, every single one of us. We just say, Lord, you know, thank you for convicting me. Thank you for showing me this. I run to you. The prodigal son got up, ran to the father. The father ran to the son too. And kings, I heard a song say, kings don't run, but the king saw his son. So Father, thank you for your beautiful presence, that you accept us as your children. And if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, we pray that they'll accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. If you need to accept Jesus and meet Jesus and you want to, and this made sense for you and you say, I want that relationship you're talking about. I want to encourage you to come out the front. I'll be here ready if you want me to lead you to Jesus. I can do that. Or others here too can lead you to Jesus at the end of the service. If you want to meet Jesus and be His follower. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. 
We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.